So imagine having browser screens, gaming windows, movies, and a plethora of other software suspended in air in front of you. I think that's something a lot of us probably dreamed of, kind of thought of as a kid growing up, imagining the possibilities of technology and where it would lead to. Yeah. I think we've arrived. I don't disagree with you at all, actually. Probably one of the biggest things that has surfaced and pretty much blown the socks off of social media is what Apple has announced yesterday with their AR VR headset uh, entitled Vision Pro. So yeah. kind of curious what your opinion is on this. Uh, I know there's probably gonna be some controversy because just the way certain generations look at technology, but um, yeah. take it away. Yeah, so originally when we uh, we were kind of waiting, JD and I were watching the WWDC just the other day and we were waiting for the price to finally show up after 40 minutes of this thing being showcased. And the whole time we were wowed and like, at one point I had no words, at one point JD had no words. And then <laughs> they finally showed the price of $3,500. And part of me was like, okay, that is expensive, but I kind of see where they got that price from. And I've actually seen a lot of comments on, um, you know, Twitter, I think even YouTube on Facebook, because I'm, I'm, I'm on some groups there. And I, I think a lot of people are split with the issue. It's like some people are like, I understand the price. It makes sense. It's, it's expensive, but it's worth it. And a lot of people are like, they definitely overpriced this thing. I mean, just look at how much it costs to actually make the product because I think um might have been Phone Arena or um, 9to5Mac that was saying that the parts in total cost 1500 to make. Hmm. But then there was another guy that was like, okay, but you have to understand the development, the people that were Software working on this. Yes. Like, this is probably in the last few years in the making. And so yes, while, I do think, while I do think they may have overpriced it a little bit, Two things can be true at once. I also think that it's a fair price for what you're able to do on this thing. If you guys have seen any of the videos on it, if you've seen the actual, you know, showcasing of it, your problem is much as wowed as we were when we saw what you were able to do. And it's it's really incredible, yeah. honestly. Yeah, so. just just the gestures, being able to, you know, tap your fingers to I know. click on something. The fact that it follows your eyes so you know it knows where you're yes. looking and it can scroll and, and just do all sorts of interesting commands. It's absolutely mind-blowing. I mean, Riley and I were just going back and forth, you know, messaging each other and we we reached the point where we were at a loss of words like he was yeah. saying. So, yep. um I think it's really impressive. I I agree. I think it is expensive, but you know, when you when you observe all that goes into it and take the time to understand why it is that price. Yeah. Um I think the other thing that you have to think about is you know, what if they had put it even higher? Yeah. And people would have been like, well, it's it's like so futuristic. And you kind of question like, okay, how how much would you actually pay for it? Because it's so amazing yes. and it's, you know, just jaw dropping. Yeah, because originally we kind of sort of thought of the price of this thing. We were like, well, yes. it might be a thousand, maybe two thousand at most. There's no way it can possibly be more than that. But the one thing that we didn't think about was that this thing would be insane. And like yeah. the technology would be very advanced and the things that you could do with it. I mean, 
I don't know. And obviously there's some kinks, there's some bugs. And I think a lot of, oh, yeah. I, I agree with people when they said this is a first gen, I won't buy it right now just because it's not where it needs to be. And I can get around that. That makes sense. Um, and I'm sure a lot of the this, celebrities are going to start buying, oh, you know, their kids are going to start oh, yes, buying it. I'm absolutely. sure LeBron James already has it in his cart, you know, ready to go. <laughs> yeah, <he does. laughs> of course, that, it hasn't been it hasn't been released yet. Of it'll be it, released it'll be early next year. next year. Yeah. 2024. So. But uh, yeah, so that's that's pretty, pretty much the, the biggest thing on, on the block that we kind of felt like was so unreal and yet had a very realistic aspect to it with a very um, insane price in in certain people's eyes but Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah so last week motorola announced their next gen razor models and based on what we've seen i think it's safe to say that we have reason to believe that motorola is in the full market for the long haul uh from the larger 3.6 inch cover display to additional 300 milliamp hours in the battery the starting storage tiers 256 gigabytes and even the added coverage from the ip52 rating which is certainly welcome on a foldable, which is certainly welcome on a foldable. I mean, we've talked about the, um, the, this phone quite at length in, in the last yeah. couple of weeks. Yeah, we have. And looking at the specs, and we'll get to that in just a bit, they truly are on the verge, I think, or even past that of being competition with Samsung and Google. Yeah, yeah. They were kind of just, at first, this was a company that made this very expensive foldable. And now we're kind of seeing, as we'll see, some corners are, are cut here, but they're trying to appeal to the masses. And really, the masses aren't a $1,500 flip phone, right? especially when you consider what Samsung is offering and what even Oppo is offering. So, yeah, I really like what they're doing here. And, um, you know, like you were saying with that cover display, just being able to be more practical, give it some, yeah. um, you know, functionality and some usage on the day to day. It's really, really impressive of what they're doing here. I was kind of curious if you had any things that maybe you didn't like or maybe caught you off guard. Um, there were a couple things. I think I was looking at a couple of reviews on it. And one of them was like, when it folds, it's not as airtight, if that makes sense. Like it's okay. not um, like it jiggles a little bit when oh really just a just a tad in comparison to the Samsung like it's perfectly steady there's no movement with this one there is so I, I could see how people might be a little bit drawn back by that yeah Let's see what else I think the the Snapdragon eight plus Gen one it's the same chipset in the previous generation and you know the the Snapdragon eight Gen one is it's a good chip I mean for what it is it's a, a couple years almost a couple years outdated now but um. For a thousand dollars, I think it's it's okay. I think people question Samsung can put the latest Snapdragon in their flippable phones. Why can't Motorola? And yeah. so yep. it's kind of one of those things that people are going to look at and they're going to compare and they're going to see the Flip Five come out and probably have uh, the Eighth Gen Two in there. Mm-hmm. So I that would really I can see how people would question that and think like well do I actually want to buy that um, and I believe that even though with the Flip Five 
people will probably say, okay, even though it has a larger display, I feel like Motorola is approaching it better. Yes. It just depends on Agreed. who those people are because I feel like a lot of those Samsung loyalists and people who are in that ecosystem, they probably won't be jumping ship. They'll probably be staying with it and continuing. That's true. So, yep. But I feel like the biggest thing is giving people another option. And with Oppo, there really isn't much of an option because it's not necessarily made for the U.S. So luckily, we have the Razer Plus here, uh, which is centered around U.S. customers. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing I, I would mention that I kind of ran through quick was that 3.6 cover display. Yeah, It's bigger than any Flip's dis- outer display, as far as I'm aware, which is crazy. And I think from what we saw, the I don't know if it, it was a rumor. I don't know if it's true or not now, but... The fact that you could pretty much do everything on your phone and now you can do it on your outer display as well. Exactly. And that and Samsung pals comparison to that and Oppo and Google, because even with Oppo, you have that exterior display. But as we've mentioned and harped on a lot, um, you can only do widgets on that. And so if they do it with if they implement phone usage on the outer display, that's a big takeaway for them. Huge. And even for Motorola, too. So, yeah, I think I think that's just going to be great because it just adds that competition to it. And, um, you know, like we've said in the past with Google, they have their fold. And if that succeeds, they're going to keep on going with the flip. We've heard rumor of maybe some some angles at how Apple might approach it. Mm-hmm. So it really is. This is this whole entire folding mechanism is really here in the market and it's really not going anywhere either. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they've, they've, they have made some nice additions here and there. Like they have the wireless charging, even though it's five Watts. Um, it's just nice to have something where you can just, you can, you can just set it down and actually charge it and have to worry about, Oh, this person is in the Apple ecosystem and they have lightning, or I only have a micro USB for whatever reason. Um, you know, you can just wireless is universal charging right there. So that's a nice thing to have. And then, uh, they did have some colors in there, didn't they? Yeah. So there's infinite black glacier blue and Viva magenta. Um, and the price obviously, like we mentioned is $999. Um, is the price fair? For the most part, like JD said, they did cut corners um, from yeah. what was once on the dual cam. I think it was like a 52 megapixel and now they 50 ran it or 52 50 or 52. Like now it's a 12. So, I mean, there's no longer know. USB 3.1, yes. it's USB 2.0. Yeah. So, you know, transfer speeds are going to have an effect. So, yeah, there is some things that you have you have to take note of, but. You know, I just like the fact that they're they're still trying to improve on themselves. And yes. they're not just going to break away from the mobile market and take LG's approach and just focus on something else. Yeah. Um, so, yep. And yeah. then actually the cool thing about this is, is it has a little brother um, <laughs> just named the Razer. Uh, and it's kind of actually geared even more so towards the masses. Uh, we don't have the price for it yet. Motorola hasn't released that, but it's coming later on. Uh, this year. So it'll have mm-hmm. the Snapdragon 7th Gen 1. It will start with 128 uh, gigs of storage uh, and actually has a bit of a larger battery than the Razer Plus at 4200. 4, mm-hmm. Yeah. Versus 3800 on, on the Plus. It also has a larger 64 megapixel um, main sensor. So I guess without that cover display, because it has a smaller cover display, uh, it's more of just kind of like a Samsung version of it. It yeah, gave you that some makes more. Sense. Um, internal component upgrades. Right. So 
Um, but yeah, outside of that, uh, there really isn't a whole lot to take note of. It kind of really just depends on what you're looking for. Uh, as I said, we don't really know what that's going to cost, but I'm excited to see just because that'll be the first tangible foldable that's under a thousand dollars. So yeah, major flagship for Motorola. Um, yes, 100%. I, I love pretty much everything about, especially the plus two, um, uh, the plus as well. So yeah, it's Didn't incredible. your wife want to actually try that? I mean, she did. I know she was probably joking. I, I showed it to her because she, uh, I told her what was going to be on last week's um, episode. And she was like, why don't you just tell me now? Tell me now. I'm like, no, you got to wait for the episode to release. Uh, and then once she listened to it, she's like, okay, that's pretty cool. They do that for the cover display. Um, and then she's like, man, I really want that. I want that to be my next phone. And she switched to Apple. She has a uh, uh, SE2. So, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. It, it's a it's a really great phone, and I hope I hope Motorola sees this and they're like, okay, they like this. Let's keep on continuing to progress. Let's improve on mistakes we made in the past. That's what OnePlus is doing, and I really hope that Motorola takes that into account as well. So exactly, and on top of that, we've seen that take place where you know previous other companies have taken the previous year um, processor and put it in the current yes. model. Yeah, uh, I think we're seeing that with uh, we mentioned that with uh, the Nothing Phone mm-hmm. too. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's really not like a crazy thing, but it's all well. value is in the eye of the beholder. So, yeah. Um, but with that, we'll go ahead and transition right into the actual Apple event um, just to review all of the things that they have announced and just some of our opinions and kind of how we felt like it uh, unfolded. Mm-hmm. Um, no pun intended. So, <laughs> we will go ahead and get started with the Max, um, not the MAX, but MACS. Yes, the Max. Uh, so, yeah, so with the uh, with the laptops, uh, we had a 15-inch MacBook Air, which we already knew was coming. That was mm-hmm. no surprise at all. Uh, comes in at $1,300 MSRP, and then you can get it for $1,200 with the EDU discount. Mm-hmm. There's really not a much to go over necessarily. It's just an M2 MacBook Air. Uh, just, just a big thing is that it's 15 inches. So yeah, um, I don't know if we really had anything that was like, amazing that you wanted to disclose on that but not really a whole lot i think there was actually something i mentioned uh, we talked about was the battery life that's i think that was a fair battery life the 18 hours i feel like it could have been a little bit more but i guess i mean it is it's a thin laptop so you really can't do a whole lot there but um yeah there wasn't a whole lot i think all in all pretty good and especially you're getting 15 inches and that's they even said it themselves and i believe them it's the world's thinnest 15 inch laptop yep yeah really great thing there um, yeah. And then the next ones we've got are uh, the Max is the Max Studio, and this one JD and I were a little more wowed by. This is coming packed with the M2 Max and the M2 Ultra options. Yep. And there's a whole lot of obviously stuff we can go through here. The main thing is uh, there's a couple of things you can actually use up to what was it six displays, six Max Studio displays, or um. Yes, it drives six Pro Display XDRs yeah. at once. Which is incredible. It's it does insane. have, obviously, a 40% faster neural engine than its predecessor. Yeah. And uh, supports up to 8K display, obviously. And, oh, yes, the 192 gigabytes of unified memory. We were both saying, like... Who needs that? I only need, like, 32 Maybe a little bit more, but obviously for people that do like really high intense work with their uh, computers and stuff, that's for them, but definitely not for us. Yeah, it's so, insanity. 
Yeah. Did you have anything else to add about that uh, that studio? I think that was basically no, not really. I mean, that's pretty much it. it. I felt like you know it kind of expected it to happen with the ultra, but outside of that, it wasn't anything insane. Uh, I think that Max is out at uh, eighty eight hundred dollars. So starting price is two thousand, and then you can get the ultra for four grand. Yes, but that's right. um, outside of that, no, it was really not a whole lot that has necessarily changed aside from you know some spec bumps there mm-hmm. but um moving on to the last one for the max um apple has actually finally completed their two and a half year transition over to apple silicon basically just giving buyers the option to get any of their models that are powered by the m series processors so that now yes. entails the mac pro um that one actually starts out at seven grand and tops out oh, just over twelve thousand. so which i know that sounds like a lot but these are like for a pro users, people that are in actual studios and such. So this is not really necessarily for the common man. Although if you right. happen to have seven grand laying around and you want to get a Mac Pro, that's your call. At least seven grand. <laughs> At least seven grand, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah. this thing is pretty insane. I mean, it's got eight Thunderbolt ports. Um, it now actually has a performance that equals seven afterburner cards built into that chassis. So mm-hmm. just, just based off of the um, processor, and then I think, um, let's see here, it actually gives you six Gen 4 PCI Express slots, which I yeah. thought was um, pretty impressive. Uh, I didn't know if you had anything else that you wanted to actually say on that that felt like uh, caught your eye. Um, no, one of the things was actually with regards to when you're using Premiere, um, it gives you up to 22 streams of 8K Pro Res, which is, that, that was one thing I was wowed by um, mostly if not the most, was just that ability because honestly, I've going on at once. I've had issues with just my laptop being able to just go through one or two. <laughs> well, I'm not even, yeah, and not even 8K. So, yeah, but that is those Macs are pretty ridiculous for this year. And obviously, we knew the M2 uh, Ultra Macs were going to come to these eventually, so that's not a shock. But uh, no, still, not. the the performance on these things is ridiculously insane. So. Yeah, but we'll yeah. go ahead and move on to the uh, upper, um, the OS updates, and our first one will be Mac OS. The widgets in the control panel can now be placed onto your desktop, so you can actually uh, change them uh, within uh, from your uh, iPhone and transition them into your Mac, which is uh, pretty good. We saw that. We thought it was a bit pretty nifty. Yeah, I, I did actually. I found that a little interesting because one of the widgets they showcased was for the Lucid Car, Lucid Air. Yeah, uh, and just being able to actually port those controls, like you said, from your iPhone into the Mac. Um, obviously, the the widgets you have are like from the sidebar, so it's not like you're actually pulling them from your phone. But um, the the Mac will actually communicate with each other, and you know, run that command through the iPhone, and you know, you can start the car and get some information, pretty much like you would with like a Tesla, etc. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I didn't think it was like amazing. Right. Um, it's one of those cool. It little kind features. of reminded me of like the Windows. Uh, Vista Windows 7 era where I actually had widgets on the desktop. That's but what I was thinking actually when I was looking at that. I was like, this exactly. feels familiar. <laughs> it is familiar. And yeah. it kind of just, you had to wait for Mac to kind of get on board with it. But I mean, it's there if you guys like it. That's, that's yeah. cool. Um, I don't really think they made some changes to Safari, um, you know, as far as WebKit, password sharing, improved security. Uh, they mm-hmm. actually added profiles which I thought that was cool because yes. you have work and personal. I think people would really welcome that. Um, and then the one thing I liked about Safari was the web apps. So being able to convert websites into an app-like experience on a Mac, I thought that was good yeah. as well. So That's pretty extraordinary. And then there is game mode now. 
uh, per- prioritizes yeah. performance when gaming, and they actually had, uh, I forgot what his name was, it's a Japanese name, um, but he's basically oh, the, yeah. the head developer of Death Stranding, and we actually mentioned that, I think it's like a month or two ago, and we thought the game was pretty cool, but when they showcased it, the graphics were absolutely amazing, and especially on a Mac now with these, um, you know, when you're utilizing the M2 Ultra and Max, it'll just look and feel amazing as well. So, yeah. uh, and then there's also presenter overlay with reaction animation. So this essentially allows you yourself to still be seen even when your desktop is presented and then giving the viewers the ability to react with various animations and effects. So again, not an extraordinary thing. Uh, yeah. A lot of, some of these things are actually not very insane, but the it's the little things like little we discussed stones. before. Yeah. It's the little yep. stepping stones that just make for a much better user experience. So exactly. Yep. So, and that pretty much encapsulates the Mac OS upgrade of Sonoma, yep. um, which actually that's the name. I, <laughs> Didn't like the name, but that's just me. A little, I'm not little really going to go. <laughs> it's a little weird. It's just a name, though, so I'm not yeah. going to go crazy on it. Um, and then we also move on to AirPods, HomePods, and TVOS. So the coolest thing, and I actually tried this out myself um, when I actually downloaded mm-hmm. the beta for um, AirPods, was adaptive audio. So it's basically merging ANC with transparency, kind of harnessing AI and it gives you more of a connected yet refined listening experience and allows you to kind of I guess the way I would describe it is listening to things that are important yes. versus like, you know, a leaf blower or some loud construction. And then um, it was really cool because when I started talking, the volume started lowering the background and it was just automatic. So I'm not the biggest fan of that, but yeah, I think you actually had some issues with that. Didn't you? I did. It's, it's been implemented on Sony and I didn't really like how they did it, but um, I'm going to test it out some more and see if it actually is something that has been, um, upscale to a more desirable state. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. But, um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was worth at least, uh, testing out for sure, even on a beta form. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, and then you have uh, device switching improved. So low latency is even better uh, when transitioning yeah. from devices. I think you've actually kind of experienced with that too, a little bit. A little bit. So. I, I, I haven't had the, um, Obviously, I don't have Mac OS Sonoma yet. I'm not going to upgrade to that beta yet just because that's a little bit more right. not my yeah. area. But um, yeah, it's the latency has been improved, like you said. So, mm-hmm. uh, And then you'll be able to utilize AirPlay and hotels via QR code. We thought that was a pretty little nifty uh, thing there for experience. <laughs> yeah, that was really something I was welcoming because it's just... I feel like setting up AirPlay in certain TVs, uh, even on my own when I first did it, was kind of a little bit frustrating because you have to like set up your home and stuff like that. Right. And so to have this on hotels is absolutely phenomenal. So they said in hotels in the future this year. So that'll definitely be something to look forward to. Yeah. And then the other crazy thing is SharePlay is now in CarPlay. You'll love, I, you love this, don't you? Yes. There's just a lot of stuff they packed into this event and into all these um, OS updates. It's incredible what they've been able to do. But now you can, like I said, you can use SharePlay in CarPlay. And I think JD and I tested this out just a bit because we both updated to iOS 17 beta. And I wasn't able to connect because he disconnected already before I was able to scan the QR code or whatever. But uh, it's that's pretty insane because you can literally just control someone else's car music from your iPhone. So Right. Just join in on that uh, party play. So, yeah. But then uh, with tvOS, there was a couple of cool things that we did want to showcase there was a control center basically is becoming kind of like a mini home hub. Um, 
and allowing you to enjoy your content, but giving you access to, you know, lights and stuff like that and connections. Yeah. So I feel like that's kind of important just because if you, if you're already on the TV, you can just, you know, make those adjustments versus dropping the remote and picking up your iPhone. Right. Yeah. Um, And then the other thing was the Apple TV remote is actually now trackable via iPhone, which I think is great. Just being yes, able to, absolutely. you know, figure out where, where it is and if it's closer. It doesn't give you the arrow, but it does give you kind of like if it's in a close proximity. So I, I felt like that was important to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, memories can be part of your screensaver as well. And actually, um, speaking of memories, we forgot to mention this for vision. Uh, there was a cool thing that you could do uh, for the headset, and that was be able to sort of relive those memories through video or whatever. I just kind of oh, okay. just kind yeah, of that's right. um, harken back to that little bit there. And that was really a cool moment as well. But yeah, you, they're now on your screensaver. And uh, FaceTime links with Apple TV uh, allows you to use your iPad or iPhone as your webcam. This is one of those things that I was actually really... Um, Same here. Really amazed by. Uh, yep. Just because sometimes, you know, you have a group of people with you and you want to be able to you know, do a FaceTime with everyone, but it's kind of hard when you got a lot of people. And so just putting that into the TV, everyone can see that person's face on there. This is, yeah, this is big with our family because I got three kids and my wife does a lot of video chatting with her parents and, you know, they want to see their, their grandkids. So I think this is a phenomenal idea because you get to have it on the big screen, but then where does the camera come from? Well, it's your iPhone. So I think that's really great. And it's, um, I think that's supposed to also impact third-party applications like Zoom and WebEx. So Yes, they did mention that. Exactly. Yep, yep. So, And then uh, we move on to iOS and iPadOS 17. So uh, first thing we'll discuss is contact posters. Uh, this is like photos, memojis, in-contact cards. Uh, and actually kind of a sad comment here. At first, I was kind of iffy about this because it didn't seem all that interesting while I was watching it's yeah i was like what would this be good for but once i saw how they implemented it and what they were going to continue doing with it i began to like a lot more i even uh, when i downloaded the beta for 17 i went ahead and used this and it's pretty cool because whenever whenever someone receives my call if they have an iphone and have 17 they'll see my picture and you know information and stuff like that so pretty nifty cool thing there really personalizing the you know interactivity yeah exactly i I thought it was a really great thing they added that um and then live voicemail this one was actually pretty cool for me i I actually liked live voicemail just the fact that you know when you're calling somebody and you don't know who they are or you're not sure the number and then they leave the voicemail it'll actually start you know transcribing it on the phone you can just say okay this is because most people say, hey, this is so-and-so. Yeah, and you can just know exactly. right away. And it kind of goes back to the old like 80s and 90s where you had like a voicemail machine and you could actually hear it and be like, oh, I want to pick the phone up now. So yeah, it's really kind of bringing that to the that. old style of things. I kind of like exactly. the niche of that. It's pretty amazing. And as well as leaving voicemails, leaving a FaceTime message if someone isn't available to pick up. I did this with JD uh, yep. yesterday and... Uh, even with my wife and she thought it was pretty cool. I personally love it. Like it's, it's amazing. Cause if they can't pick up, you just show them a video, be crazy, be weird or whatever. Um, coming just, for you. Yep. Yep. Coming for me, obviously <laughs> this is not pointed to anyone in particular, but yeah, I, that's one of the, one of the most interesting features I think, uh, for, for, um, iPad OS or iOS as well. So, yeah. 
Yeah. And then actually going right into some of the changes they made in messages or iMessage, uh, the catch up arrow. So this basically allows you to go directly to the last message that you read and then scroll down reading the ones that you missed. So yeah, it's kind of frustrating. Like I know on, um, Facebook Messenger, they have that like little line that goes across that lets you know these were all the unread yes, messages. Yes, exactly. But just tapping that arrow takes you directly to it, especially if you've missed quite a few. So I feel like that's really uh, a great impact on just saving time and not having to worry about, okay, where did I, where was I last um, reading these messages? So, mm-hmm. um, and then the swipe to reply, that was pretty nice. Instead of tapping to hold, it's just a quick swipe to reply. I feel like that's a, a little um, more a nice efficient. Little yes, definitely. And then the other thing I thought was really cool was audio messages are now transcribed. So it's kind of based off of the Google IO where they kind of added that into Android where they transcribed their um, audio messages all I can say is it is cool, but it's about time. <laughs> yeah, and as to whether that they took that from uh, Google, it's neither <laughs> here nor there. But um, can't help but think about it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But still, it's it's cool features. It's little things that that make a huge difference when you're utilizing uh, messages. And we've been we've had the chance to actually use these as well. Uh, next thing actually is active location sharing directly in the thread, so you can see where the other person is while you're messaging them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Which that's kind of different from what we've seen in the past where like you want to share the location. Yes. Well, this one's actually active. It actually gives uh, like a little tracking dot to show exactly where they are versus just, oh, this is my location of where I'm at. Um, and then that'll eventually change. And, you know, if you move. So, yeah. And then the, this next feature is like my favorite, I think. I think um, it's your wife's favorite. Well, it's my wife's favorite, especially. So um, when when this is set up, it allows messages to auto-notify your context of choice that you have arrived at a location, and it also auto-updates in case you are in delay on your way to the destination. This also includes updating others to see your battery life and cell service to monitor your safety and if they're able to call you directly. Uh, so, like I said, this is one of my favorites and my wife's. Um, this one I actually need, not for reasons like going to someone's house in a different state to let them know my ETA, but going to someone else's house in my own state to let my wife know my ETA, uh, or if I've made it to my destination because most of the time I forget to let her know I've arrived, uh, and as soon as we both saw this, we knew exactly who this feature was for. It was for you. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like this is... Um... I don't know if this is a common husband thing, but I feel like husbands do it more often than wives where they just, you know, forget to text their wives that they made it somewhere. Um, <laughs> it's just, just one of those. I forgot to tell my wife tonight that I made it to my brother's house. Yeah. So the reason why that took place is because she's not running the beta of iOS 17. So that is a key point right there. Thanks, Riley, uh, is that both parties have to be running iOS 17. So uh, which really didn't work out in Riley's favor. But hey, we live, yeah. and, live and learn. So. Yeah. Sorry, wife. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the iMessages apps, which I feel like, Riley, you actually like this one, kind of receive their own quote unquote control panel. Yes, where, I did love this one. Yeah, where you actually, on the old version, you actually had the apps kind of horizontal and you could scroll horizontally through them. Mm-hmm. Well, this one, you just click the, or just tap the um, plus icon and it kind of pulls up its own control panel where Very you access smoothly. all the apps. Very yes, smooth. Has I love it so field. much feel sorry i said field um 
and then it also impacts stickers. So this mm-hmm. is now going to be system wide where you can actually create stickers from not just existing ones that are in your emojis, but also from photos as well. Now, if you happen to watch the keynote, uh, they demonstrated it using um, Craig Federighi's basketball styles. Yeah. Uh, that was a little <laughs> bit cringy, but hey, it's just it's one Apple. way to actually. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, a keynote. it's just one of those examples that you had to kind of laugh at. So a little added humor. Yeah, there, but and uh, um, I'll say this: I, I when I first saw that, I was texting JD, and I was like, "This is cool, but it's not something I would ever use really that much." I download it iOS 17. I've used it quite a bit while texting JD. So yeah, yeah, it's just one I of those it. things where you never think you're going to use it, but you do. So yeah. yeah, and and the funny thing is, is, is as we go through all these features, I was kind of mentioning this to Riley. Some of the stuff can easily get forgotten just because there's so much to it, and I feel like for a lot of people, there is yes. already so much in iOS, you know, 15, 16 that they've added over the years. Uh, that kind of gets, you know, lost. Yeah, I totally agree with you right there. But yeah, and I think they made some changes to AirDrop. Is that right? Yeah, so you have NameDrop, um, which basically is context sharing. You just, uh, they bas- basically um, how it works is the top of the phones just literally tap to each other and that shares all your data, not your data, <laughs> well, uh, contact information. your contact information and stuff like that. So, um, there's also file sharing, and this includes extended file transfers using the internet when the files are too big or take too long. Um, one thing that I, I still hate about AirDrop, and they changed this on iOS 16, I think, was that yep. it's the options are everyone for 10 minutes and then a specific person or just off. And I love when I still say this today. I love when the feature of everyone was just on for an limited amount of time. Yeah. I still don't know why they took that out, but, um, you know, that's fine, but I'm glad they at least added this stuff as well. And also one other thing, autocorrect and dictation sees improvement accuracy. I've noticed this a little bit, even though I still make text mistakes and I send them right to JD and then we're wondering why in the world autocorrect was part where of was the improvement thing. so i don't know yeah it's still it's, it's still part of the beta so who knows? yeah we'll have, we'll have to see how that works obviously and then the next thing we actually mentioned this um to it, it was a, a rumor back. i was, it was like yeah. maybe a month ago and we're really excited to see it on uh, here well you are i am yes uh the hay is no longer required for siri Okay, good. She didn't activate. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of, I, I like the fact that they're trying to smooth things out a little bit, but it still makes me wonder like how easy that would be to activate. Because if you think about it, I feel like Google is easier to activate because there is no, there's no prefix to that statement. So that's right. just my take on it. I feel like it's, I feel like people will probably welcome it, but it depends on how easily she wakes up. So I agree with you to an extent. However, I do feel that it does make the experience a little more authentic. Uh, plus, you do yeah. have the ability to change it to just Hey Siri in settings, which I'm extremely glad Apple's given us that option. So if you're kind of on the side of like, I don't really want to do just the one word, then you have that option. So, yeah, I mean, they're not as great about, you know, expanding options, but any existing options that have been like grounded into their ecosystem, I feel like they keep that in the background for people to still use. So yes. like use the one, one great example is, is, um, in past 
in a previous upgrade, you, you use the uh, space keyboard to hold down and then kind of use it as a cursor. Yeah. Well, in the beta form, they took away the option to like press and hold on the actual text and zoom around and adjust. Mm-hmm. They brought that back in the public version because some people are used to that. So if you are used to saying, hey, Siri, then there you go. You've got that option. Um, exactly. Which I, I do agree with you on that. But yeah, so then the next cool thing that we had was shown was standby. So this is kind of like allowing you to have more of a practical experience when your iPhone is charging. And uh, both Riley and I test this out, and I think it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, agreed. Just being able to actually dock your, which it actually even works in um, whether it's wireless charging or whether it's plugged in. It just needs to be in a landscape mode. And it kind of just gives you the clock and pretty much any valuable information you want as far as like the yes. weather or your calendar, um, maybe some meetings that are coming up. So yes. I think the only thing that I had a concern about was possibly maybe how quickly the phone charges and possibly some long-term impact on battery health. But that just kind of depends on how it's used and what the power preferences are, I'm guessing. Well, I actually don't think it will do too too much harm considering it only stands by for about 30 seconds i tested that yeah it doesn't stand for a whole a long period of time while impacting while impacting minorly i don't think it will do a whole lot especially when you consider that since it's oled the dark pixels would be turned off so um it'll affect it a bit but um at the end of the day i think it'll still be okay to use um one other thing about the standby you can also use uh like live photos yes uh, that'll kind of like uh, change uh, through your photo library. So I, I tested that. That was pretty cool to have some memories that go by kind of like a, um, a live picture frame, stuff like that. So pretty nifty thing there too. Yep. So, and then the, uh, the one thing that's actually not technically included with iOS 17, but rather it's an app that's coming later this year is the journal app, which we kind of have talked about in the past mm-hmm. as a rumor. Um, this one pretty much just uses your contacts, location, music, photos, podcasts, workout, et cetera, and kind of just culminates it into like an auto journaling entry. Um, and then you can kind of customize it. Now, of mm-hmm. course, you obviously have to give permission for them to have access and kind of do that on their own. Um, and everything is actually still on board on your iPhone, so it's end-to-end encrypted. But uh, I wasn't really sure if you thought this yeah. was cool or if people would use it or... Maybe if it was a waste of time, I'm not really sure. <laughs> I don't know. I th- I think it adds to some users that would like to have it on their phone because, see, a lot of these features to us, I was thinking about it the other day and I was like, a lot of these features to us are probably okay in comparison to other people that think, oh my goodness, this actually is something I've been really wanting True. to use on it's an iPhone. It's all about perspective, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And then things that people think are, eh, to us, it's like, wow, that's actually exactly. really good. I've been wanting that. I even saw that on some comments on Facebook. It's just like, it really depends on the person. So I think, yeah, drone app, it's a good app. And I hope they continue to add stuff as well to it, um, make it more refined, um, work with uh, integrated apps. Like, these ones are great. I don't think there's a whole lot of issues with them uh, as well. But um, just to kind of add your own entries onto your iPhone, this yeah. is pretty good, yeah, I think. Very so. true. Uh, then I guess we'll go ahead and move over to iPad OS. Widgets finally have come to iPad. Yeah. Um, this includes obviously background lock screens, same thing as iOS 16 that we saw, uh, last year. And, um, within that, there's also live activities and interactive widgets. So basically things where, like, where you can play music from a widget or, 
control lights exactly. and such. Yep. Uh, they showcased that on the um, the WWDC, and it was pretty cool uh, how you can utilize that as well. And motion effect. So basically, this is a glorified live photo. Uh, and actually, one of the new wallpapers they give you is the original wallpaper they used for the first iPad. And now it has motion effect, which is pretty nifty as well. So it's kind of like a callback um, there. Yeah, that was a two-hour so, event. So we're trying to condense a lot of this stuff. So... Uh, and yeah, it's also VR. worth noting that all this stuff that's on iOS and iPadOS is also going to be on the macOS stuff. So we kind of just, we didn't really want to repeat all that once again, but uh, exactly. you can definitely get a lot yeah. of those interactivities and stuff like that on your Mac. But uh, moving on with the last thing that we have for today's episode is watch OS. And this is probably one of the biggest things that we wanted to um, talk about just because it was rumored to be a major upgrade. And I don't yes. think anybody would disagree that that is exactly what it is. So uh, just a couple things to start off here that are kind of interesting. Um, we do get two new watch faces is uh, Snoopy and Woodstock. So I'm not sure if there's a lot of Snoopy facts, Snoopy facts, <laughs> Snoopy fans out there. I'm assuming are you were you actually excited about this one? I do. I do like it. The animation styles they gave for Snoopy. I'm a big fan of uh, okay. Peanuts. Yeah. Uh, so I, I love it, even though I'm, I'm a Gen Z, but I still love that show to death. Uh, just Snoopy when he reacts to, to rain or whatever, it's kind of, kind of cute. I, I liked it a bit. So, yep. And the other one was yeah. palette and we actually tried this one out on my watch, uh, since I was running the beta, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, it was really neat. Like you get to use a lot of different colors and it also has like merging colors on the same watch face. So, yes. um, I won't go into all the details, but I'll just say this, that when you Gradients. guys do, yeah, it has gradient colors, um, when you guys do install it in the fall, that would probably be a really cool watch to use. The only thing I don't like is that it's more of an aesthetic design. So there's no numbers or anything yes. like that. It's just yep. you have your hour and your minute hand. Um, and that's pretty much it. So, And then the seconds kind of go around with that color. Yeah, the seconds, it uses kind of like a shading to actually move the seconds hand, which is actually yeah. cool, but... It depends on how well you are with analog. For me, I actually need to have like a one, two, three, or even the Roman numerals. So, um, but, and then the next cool thing that we did have was the smart stack. So this is pretty much what we were talking about where they were going to bring in some widgets. All you have to do is rotate the crown upwards and it'll pull up a whole bunch of stacks of widgets with weather, calendar, uh, fitness, news. So it's really cool. Um, kind of just Mm -hmm. streamlining a lot of that data on your watch without having to pick up your phone. So I really think it's pretty impressive. Yes. I don't know if you were impressed by it, but I thought it was a, a good addition to the system. Oh, yeah. When I saw that feature, I was thoroughly impressed because um, one of the things on watch that's been hard to do is navigation. Yeah. And that's kind of that's the thing that I think they fixed a Big lot time. of on yep. this update. Majorly, yes. And widgets definitely helps with that. Um, and by the way, these do kind of change throughout your day-to-day use. Yes, it's intelligent. Um, so, for example, in the morning... Uh, if you have a reminder in the morning or later in the afternoon, that will show you like an hour or two before, before it's due. Uh, but it'll just change based on information you normally use for your iPhone and that will pick up with your watch as well. So very smooth transition with that stuff too. Yeah. That one, one other thing along with that was the apps, which we actually had talked about in rumors was that they were going to adjust the grid view which I am totally in favor of because as we mentioned before, it's just, it was a train wreck. Yes. But yeah, when you're looking at the um, the apps, all you <laughs> have to do is press the crown as usual and it'll come up with kind of a row of applications. 
Um, and this is this again, this is grid view. It's not list view. Uh, and it will kind of um, alternate between four and then three apps. And you can kind of just scroll through and yeah. it could probably fit with my apps on there. It's maybe about three whole watch screens uh, worth of apps that I scroll right through. Mm -hmm. So it's really, I feel like it's a major improvement. I do wish the app icons were a little bit bigger, but that's really just preference. Yeah, totally so. agree with you right there. Um, and then we have a couple of other uh, fitness updates that, the, uh, that they added. So um, there's a new one, Cycling. So basically giving you power zone workout, uh, which gives you zones for how much intensity you can maintain in an hour. Not much for me. A uh, little bit of complication to that. Yeah. A uh, little, little uh, complicated if you're not used to how that works. Um, but if you do know how that's utilized, then it's it's a really great optimization yeah. for you. Um, metrics optimized for you for your iPhone as well. So you'll be able to see your data while you're cycling or you can view it later. Which I think that's going to be really great for cyclists. Yeah, I totally agree with you right there. And then the next thing is hiking. So there are two new views in the Compass app, the closest range for SOS connectivity and the closest cell tower. Uh, so that kind of helps Pretty critical with the there. Uh, emergency yeah. services type of thing. Yes. Uh, this also gives you a 3D mapping of those new features and everything else. You get trail info, topographic maps, and elevation alerts. If you're going too high where you may not be able to breathe as well, then it will alert yep. you of that. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool the way they showcased that on the uh, Watch Ultra because it has a larger screen and such. So I was really, it was, it was pretty yeah, cool exactly. the way the graphics looked, at least from what I saw. So, yep. And then this is a really interesting one golfing. Um, it's not really integrated as much as hiking and cycling are. Um, but there's just a couple features that you can uh, utilize, and that's um, being able to adjust your swing as well. You were you took you took golf, so yeah, I was in golf, and uh, honestly, this would have been great in high school. That way, you know, I had a, I had a coach, obviously, but I feel like this might have helped me <laughs> and benefited me <laughs> a lot true. more. Um, but yeah, I love golf, so I, I'm I'm glad they added this. And even JD was like, I really want right? golf now. Yeah. And I was like. We should, we should go yeah, golfing. Yeah, we should. We really should. <laughs> um, yep. And then to round out the uh, watch OS, uh, no pun intended, uh, is actually Vision Health, which I actually thought was really cool. And I would definitely welcome this once it comes to the public. Uh, with or without an iPhone, your child will actually have a daylight sensor on their watch and can alert you if they have not been outside enough, um, as well as if they've been too close to their screens. So... The outside one is not really too much of an issue because our kids, or at least our... Um, our older daughter actually is outside quite a bit, so she likes to play with her friends. So that's not so much of a concern for me. It's the screen being close to the eyes. That was probably one of the things that really stood out to me. Yeah. So if you guys do have kids and, um, you know, depending on their age, if they do have their own phone and it's too close or whatever, that will definitely help with just kind of giving that guideline of, okay, that's way too close to your face. You know, it's really harming your your eyes. Yeah, exactly. But uh, that'll about do it for this week's episode. Uh, we do know there was quite a bit to go through from that event. Uh, there's just a lot of details and such. As I said, if you are interested in more information, we will definitely um, post those videos below that kind of break down the betas. But with that said, we will definitely be back next week with more news and rumors. This is JD and Riley signing off. Peace out. Peace out.